Well, my message is going to be a bit different this week, as I've uh, done in the past. I'm guilty of that once in a while. There's been a song on the radio that I've heard several times that has really spoken to me. Um, the name of the song is entitled, Come Make a Place in Me, and it's sung by a quartet called Signature Sound. Uh, I believe the reason that it has spoken to me so much is because, really, it's a prayer. It's a prayer that asks God to make a place in our hearts. I know that theologically you say, well, that doesn't make sense biblically. It does make sense in the sense that we know that Jesus Christ indwells us, and we'll talk about that in just a moment. But the reality is that we fill our lives with so many things that we forget to make place for Jesus in our day-to-day um, goings-on. So uh, I asked Matt to uh, play the song and uh, up, on the, up on the screen, and if I could ask you, if you would just... Just think of it as a prayer. And look at the words. I've asked them to play the one that has the lyrics with it so that you can concentrate on what the song is about. We're going to talk about that and then move into another portion of the message for this morning in Psalms. So if you would listen to this as Matt plays it.
wonder if that would be our prayer, that we really want God indwelling our lives. It gets so easy to do everything in life that is important to us um, and not take time to make Jesus Christ preeminent in our lives. Isn't that true? Anyone else struggle with that? Get caught up in everything else. Throw Christmas aside for a minute. Let's pretend it's June. What place does Christ have in our life? And we talk about it week after week after week. We talk about the one and how he has, he has to be elevated, but yet we live like this. So well, I don't do that. Yes, we, do. we all do it. The reality is he must take preeminence. And if we don't make it a point to make him preeminent, it gets put to the side inadvertently. If I were to ask every one of us, myself included, is Jesus Christ the center of your life? We'd say, man, we really are striving for that. And I would say we legitimately, honestly, are trying for that. But the reality is it doesn't happen so often. Other things take precedence. And the more I heard that this last couple of weeks, the more I was thinking, man, I need to be making that my prayer in everything that I do. Um, someone said last week, well, it's easier for you guys. You guys are all like perfect. You have it all together. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Let me just tell you, just in case you think that there are some people that are perfect in here, just, just so you know, let me just share. In the last seven years, I've been called because people in our church who faithfully attend have been picked up for shoplifting. I've got people going through uh, stealing $30,000 on lot of, lost at the casino in the last year or two. Every sin you can think of that you think, wow, that's terrible, that's not me, happened by people who faithfully attend every week. Why does that tell us? We're all sinners, we all struggle, and we all need God's help every day. None of us have it together. None of us are perfect. None of us, if we could make it all fit and be perfect, what would we need Jesus for? Do you understand that? There's no perfect people. I love the song, because come make a place the shape of your love. What are we searching for in life? We search for a lot, and trust me, I've used the illustration under 10 different messages in 10 different ways of who wants to be a multi-gazillionaire. And if you're not raising your hand, you're lying. Come on. I don't even know what a gazillionaire is, but I wouldn't mind being one. It's like far beyond millionaire, billionaire, trillionaire. Somewhere out there is gazillionaire. I'd, lo- I'd like to try it once. I mean, let's, let's face it. I'd like to try it this once. So money doesn't go, the, you know, make the world go around. I, I think I kind of beg to differ. It does make a lot of the world go around. I'd like to try it once. But what is it that we're searching for? What is it that we are living for? What is it that captivates our minds and our lives? Come make a place. Come make my heart your home. Do you realize that if Jesus, that Jesus Christ, if you know him as your Savior, according to 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, says, what? No, you're not. That your body is the what? Temple of the Holy Spirit. He lives within you. Anywhere you can go, He's there. That's constant encouragement and comfort. But on the flip side of that coin, it's also constant accountability. He's there with us. He comforts us, and then he also 
reminds us when we're not doing what's right if we're close to him. He says, Jesus, I'm empty without you. And the verse that comes to my mind is Mark chapter 8, verse 36. For what shall profit a man if he gain the whole world, yet lose his own soul? And 1 John reminds us, for everything that is in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the things of this world are going to what? Pass away. What is it that we're living for? Do we do truly have an understanding that we are lost without Jesus? And that we desperately need him for every aspect of life? Not just in the times of trouble. Not just when we are under the gun. We need him 24-7, 365. And if apart from that, we are living in the flesh. He says, you're everything I need. Do we really believe that? Do we really believe that? We've talked about in the past, some years past, the, the idea of, Lord, give us this day our daily bread when we have pantries and freezers and refrigerators full of food. We don't pray for today. We're planning for the next three months out. Inadvertently or purposefully, we have it all. And in Philippians chapter 1, verse 21 says, For to me, living is Christ, but to die is what? Gain. He says, I'm here for one reason, to please Christ. Come with your grace. Come make a place in me. And he tells us in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, he says, For my grace is sufficient. We can pray for a lot of things, and the answer may be no. But he says, my grace is sufficient. I don't know about you, but those are the kinds of things that I need to be reminded of daily. That we need to make Jesus a central priority of our lives. So the song speaks to what much of what I and maybe so many of you feel from day to day. So for this morning, I want to speak to the topic of drawing close to God. So if you would take your Bibles and turn to Psalm chapter 91. Psalm chapter 91. I'm going to begin by reading verse 1, and then we'll have a word of prayer and continue into the message. It says, The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. Let's read that again. The one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. So the one who lives under the protection or in the secret place of the Most High dwells or abides or remains in the shadow of the Almighty. What a great and blessed promise. That if we were to live under His wings, under His protection, in the secret place, just by abiding Him, we're protected by the Almighty. What pulls us away? What infiltrates our lives and distracts us. I think it comes back to a choice that we need to make to live in the shadow of the Almighty. Lord Jesus, I pray God that you would speak to our hearts this morning. I ask God that you would teach us from your word once again those things that we need to hear, those things that we need to understand. Lord God, if there be many of us here, Lord, we've heard these things before. May we not Lord, just dismisses as something we've heard before, but God, teach us afresh and anew, Lord, to, to consider where we are at in our walk with you, where we're resting in, Lord, as far as our daily living. Pray, God, that you would, through your Holy Spirit, Lord, impact our lives this day in a way that would bring glory to you in our responses, Lord. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So the word dwell means to abide in. It means to lodge or to set up camp in. 
Just kind of get a word picture in your mind just for a moment. It has the idea of pitching a tent, to build a lodge, to, to kind of camp out there. It means to be satisfied there. It means to, to live there. So the idea of uh, abiding or dwelling in means to be so close that that's where you call home. It's the idea of this is where I live in the presence of Jesus. More than just having the knowledge that Jesus Christ indwells us through the Holy Spirit, but having the idea that I have presence with Jesus no matter where I'm at or what I'm doing because this is where I choose to live. We all have a choice as to where we live, right? We can live in Pittsburgh or Victor or Henrietta or where, Greece or wherever else you want to live. But it's the idea that I'm choosing to set camp. I'm choosing to lodge in this location. And the location he's talking about is in the shadow of the Almighty. I'm choosing to remain there. Um, when I think about this and the idea of shade, living in the shadow, um, I, I, I have, there have only been a couple times in my life that I really got to the point where I was so hot that I really got desperate for shade. I don't know if you've ever been in one of those type of situations, but my high school years, I spent working at a camp in Canada, and uh, every year we used to do uh, several hundred cord of wood, and uh, it was just hot in the middle of the day. And so what we used to do is get up at 4 in the morning so we get the bulk of the work for, done for that day before the heat of the day came out. But I can remember many times as a, as a, in Canada as a teenager, after several hours of cutting down trees in the hot sun, our bodies began to crave the shade. You just wanted to go away. So we'd grab our jugs of water and we'd run to a place where there was a little bit of shade just to get out of the heat. But there's something amazing about the shade. The shade was provided by the other tall trees. To benefit from the shade, you had to what? Get close to the bigger trees. You see, the shade could be there all day, and it's going to move according to what the sun does. But the reality is, if you want the benefit of the shade, you have to do what? You have to get close to where it's at. And so if we want to live in the shadow of the Almighty, there's a choice to make. I can either know that it's there and I can run to it anytime I want because God's word says it is a refuge. It is a place of rest. It is a place of protection. But if I don't utilize it, what good is it? Right? If I want to sit in the shadow of the Almighty, I have to make a choice to go sit there. Think about that for a minute. We all have choices that we can make every day of our lives where we're going to sit, where we're going to rest. Where we're going to lodge, if you will. And we can lodge out in the comfort of our own homes, or we can lodge out in the presence of God. So what's the difference? One is I'm going to live according to my flesh and what pleases me, and the other one is I'm going to live where God wants me to live, close to Him, in His presence, under His shadow, under the protection of His wing. But once there, the shade not only provided protection from the sun, but it also provided comfort. I don't know about you, but when it's 110 degrees outside and it used to get 110 degrees in Canada working the logs, it was comfortable to get into a 90 degree shade. Just taking a 20 degrees off by being in the shade made all the difference for a few minute break. When we're in the presence of God, there is protection, but there's also comfort. Why? Because he says when we're there, he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. He's there with us. The benefits of the shade, protection, and comfort can only come as a result of abiding or dwelling close to God. And it's choosing to abide. It's choosing to lodge in Christ. 
Are there other benefits of abiding in Christ as well? Absolutely there is. You don't need to turn there, but in John chapter 15, verse 7, it says, If you remain in me, and the word remain has the idea of lodging, it has the idea of abiding in. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. There is a blessing of added answered prayer when we are abiding in Christ. Let me ask this question. Are you real eager, parents, to, do, to, to go out and get everything your kids ask when they've been disobedient? I've been telling you to clean your room for a week and a half straight. I've been telling you to you know, take out the trash and you never want to do it. I've been telling you to cut the yard and I have to beg you to do it. All right, Dad, can I have $100 to go get these shoes? Do you want to do it? I mean, do you in your flesh want to answer that request? No. Now, I'm not saying God is conditional like that because he's not. But why do we expect the blessings of God when we are living in disobedience? It doesn't work that way. You cannot have the blessings without the obedience. And it works the same with Jesus Christ. So there's answered prayer when we are abiding in Him. There's provision, answered prayer when we abide. And let me just say this as well. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 13 says this, He who conceals his sin will not prosper. We can't hide our sin. We can't pretend it's not there and choose not to deal with it when we know we ought to and expect God to give us His blessings. He that conceals his sin will not prosper. That's God's Word. And it's reiterated in numerous passages. We have to deal with our sin. And that comes to coming closer to Jesus Christ. When we spend time with Jesus Christ, let me just say it this way. If you have a meaningful relationship with somebody, it's not by accident. Relationships are cultivated. I can tell you of a certainty today, I love my wife more today than I did the day we got married. It grows with time over years. Why? Because we have cultivated that relationship. And the longer I'm in it, the greater it is, right? It's no different than our relationship with God. The closer we are to Him, The more we learn what pleases Him, the more we learn what does not please Him. It's not a list of rules. I mean, I never got, even though I should have probably got the rule book, I didn't get one when I I married my wife. I should have got that. I would have helped a lot of areas early on. Thou shalt not leave your clothes in the middle of the floor. Check. It's not about rules. It's about relationship. And the more that I draw close to Him, the more I understand what pleases Him and what displeases Him as our Heavenly Father. And He says, if you remain in Me, you're abiding with Him, you're dwelling with Him, and My words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. You know what really it means? The closer we draw to Jesus Christ and to God the Father, the more we realize what pleases Him and what pleases Him certainly becomes our requests. Because we want to be in His presence. We want to be in His will. We want to be in the place where He can glorify, be glorified through our actions in life. Then in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6 says, Everyone who remains in Him does not sin. Everyone who sins has not seen Him or known Him. So everyone who remains, who dwells in, who abides in Him does not sin. Why? Because we realize what displeases Him. We don't want to do that. So we don't want those things to be the characterization of our lives. We want to do something different. So let's look at the remainder of the chapter this morning, just for a moment. So in Psalm chapter 91, verses 2 and 3, it says this. 
says, I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. He says, my refuge, my fortress. Where do we run when we're struggling? I hear people say sometimes, I, I, I just don't see where God is. I don't, see, I don't sense his presence. I don't. God doesn't move. God is still God. God will always be God, right? God is where God is always is. He's sitting in heaven on his throne the bottom line is, and the Son, or the Holy Spirit indwells us. We have His presence, but if we're feeling distant, He says He's my refuge and my fortress. That's a beautiful picture of security. The, assault, the psalmist identifies who He is. He says He's my, my refuge, my fortress. What an awesome picture! He identifies who He is. He belongs to me. What a powerful, assuring statement of confidence. And verse 3 says this, He himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. He will cover you. He will take refuge. His faithfulness will protect you. He not only identifies who he is, he's mine, but now he identifies what he will do. He will protect me. Need protection? Psalmist has got to be in the shadow of the Almighty. You want to feel secure? Get in the presence of the Almighty. What are the results of who he is and what he does? We find that in verses 5 and 6. He says, You will not fear the terror of the night, the arrow that flies by day, the plague that stalks in darkness, or the pestilence that ravages at noon. Isn't that amazing? He says, You will not fear the terror of the night. Have you ever been afraid of the dark? Yeah, thank you. Trust me, I was afraid of the dark as a kid growing up. <laughs> yes, me. Um, I can remember I wanted the biggest flashlight, the brightest flashlight that money could buy. I didn't like going out in the dark when I was even in junior high. It scared the snot out of me. I just knew that there was a boogeyman somewhere. Concrete fact. But I remember something got fun. It was capture the flag in the dark. That got fun. Helped me overcome the fear of the darkness. You know, what are we afraid of? He says, the terror of the night, no problem. And then the arrow that flies by day. You know what that's really saying? The attacks in broad daylight. Maybe you say, well, I have nobody shooting arrows at me. Well, I don't know about you, but God's word says we need to avoid the fiery darts of the wicked. The things that happen in broad daylight that distract us. He says, I'll protect you from that. The attacks in daylight, things that happen in broad daylight, the plague that stalks the darkness. Down in verse 10, he says this, No harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent, for he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the cobra. You will trample the young lion and the serpent. Isn't that amazing? No harm will come to you. God's hand is upon those that dwell in the shadow of the Almighty. No harm, no plague will come near your tent. His angels will have charge over you to protect you. They'll support you with their hands. You'll tread on a lion and a cobra. You'll trample the young lion and the serpent. What, are the, what is the psalmist saying? The results of abiding in God is His grace, His protection, His comfort. What is it that distracts us? Not just at Christmas, 
but the entire year. What is it that takes us out of focus of God? What is it that we allow to creep into our lives that attacks us? Over the last several weeks, I've talked to so many people who said, man, I, I just can't do this thing called Christianity. I can't do this. It's just too hard. Yeah, it is hard. What's the point? You have somebody to help you through it. You have somebody that's there with you, who indwells you, who has given you the strength that you need to overcome the adversary, right? You have that. It's not something we have to wish for or hope for or think we might get. You have God's protection. You have that. When you are abiding under the shadow of the Almighty. In order to have His protection, you've got to draw close to Him. I can remember as a kid, I had an older brother, my brother John, who was my security. Now, I'm trust me, I, I was always a big kid. No doubt about that. But where there's a big kid, there's two or three other little kids. And two or three are bigger than one big one. And I used to get afraid of... We had this big field behind our house. And I used to go out there and, you know, I was different than the other kids. And sometimes they'd want to pick on me. I used to hold my own, no problem, right? But then we get into these little word arguments. My dad's bigger than your dad. Anybody remember those days? My dad's bigger than your dad. Well, my dad was bigger than their dad. But my brother was right beside me. And as long as my brother was there, because he was a whole lot bigger than me, I had no fears. Why? Because I was close to my brother. And my brother was going to help me go through all those kids and not have a worry one. Why? Because I was close to him. We have protection when we are close to the one who provides it. Think about that. I can have the, the strongest bodyguard in the world. I mean, he's got 10th degree black belt if there is such a thing. He knows Taekwondo, karate, judo, whatever it is that he wants to know. He, he, this guy is a beast. And I pay good money to have this as my bodyguard. But if I'm in Minnesota and he's in Texas, what good is he? We have the greatest protection as his children. But it's only beneficial if we draw close to him and in our, under his shadow. Think about that. Let me ask you a question. Are you in the shadow? Or do you just know where it's at? There's a big difference between the two. You might know where the shadow is, but it doesn't have any benefit unless you're in it. So he says here, no harm will come to you. No plague will come near your tent. So let me ask you, well, you say, well, pastor, does that mean I'm never going to have anything bad happen? No. You see, what we learn in our maturity in Christ is that when bad things happen, we can look at it as, oh, this is really bad. Or we can look at it from the other side of the coin, which says, this isn't so bad because God taught me this, this, and this through it. So it's actually very beneficial. So it's a matter of perspective. So when we look at it as either harm, that means I don't like what God has allowed in my life. Or I can look at it as, boy, this is a real learning opportunity, something that God is using to teach me what I need to learn. And in that perspective, it's not harmful. So he says, no harm will come to you, no plague will come near your tent. It means where we dwell, his protection will be there. For he will give his angels order, orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. 
They will support you with their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I remember going through those dark paths in Canada as a teenager. Where our staff cabin was, 100 yards, 200 yards up into the woods, it was dark. We're talking 60 miles away from the nearest small little town. No lights, pitch black. Couldn't see your hand right here. The only way to see to your cabin was with a light. What's he saying here? He will support with her hand so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. I can remember several times hitting my feet on stones, stripping, or tripping over a branch or a, or a root or sticking up out of the ground and just falling flat on my face. And it was a reminder, bring your flashlight. It was a reminder, you got to have the light in order to go forward. It's no different than our walk with God. He'll protect us, but you've got to be in the light. You've got to be in the shadow. You've got to draw close. But that's not all. Look at verses 14 through 16. It says, Because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him, I will protect him, because he knows my name. Verse 15. When he calls out to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and give him honor. And verse 16, I will satisfy him with a long life and show him my salvation. Really, there are two things from each of these verses that he will do to those that are in the shadow of the Almighty. I, the Lord, will deliver him, verse 14. You want deliverance? Be in the shadow. You want to overcome? Get in the shadow. You want strength? Be in the shadow. You want protection? Get in the shadow. He says, I will deliver him. Number two. He said in verse 14, I will exalt him. Why? Because he knows my name. What's in a name? Think about that for a moment. We have the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. Think about that. He says, I will do this for one reason. He knows my name. Talk about a benefit of knowing Jesus Christ. So I will deliver him, I'll protect him, because he knows my name. Two things from verse 15. It says, when he calls out, I will answer him. Be reminded of verse 2. I will say to the Lord, my refuge, my fortress, my God in whom I will trust. Verse 3, he himself will deliver you from the hunter's net, from the destructive plague. You look down at verse 14. Because he is lovingly devoted to me, I will deliver him. Over and over he says, I will answer him. And I want to answer him with my protection, my closeness. Verse 15, and I will be with him in trouble and protect him, verse 15, and give him honor. You know what honor is? You've heard me say this before. It means to give value to. To honor something means to attribute value to it. He says, I will give value to you. you want to find your worth? Get in the shadow of the Almighty. You want to know how much He loves you? Get under the shadow of the Almighty. You want value, worth, honor? Get in the shadow of the Almighty. And then the last two things He tells us in verses or Numbers 5 and 6, found in verse 16. He says, I will satisfy Him. I will satisfy Him. You know, much of this world is looking for satisfaction in something. Look back at one chapter in Psalm chapter 90. In verse 13, it says, Lord, how long 
Turn and have compassion on your servants. Satisfy us in the morning with your faithful love so that we may shout with joy and be glad all our days. Make us rejoice for as many days as you have numbered, humbled us, for as many years as we have seen adversity. Let your work be seen by our servants and your splendor by their children. Let the favor of the Lord God be on us. Establish us for the work of our hands. Establish the work of our hands. He says He will satisfy us. Want satisfaction? Get in the shadow of the Almighty. And then he says, lastly, verse 16, and show him my salvation. He says, I will show him my salvation. Salvation can only come from, once again, getting close to God. So many times people wonder, am I really saved? Am I not saved? What's the desires of your heart? Do you desire being close to God? Do you desire coming in with him? Those are kind of characteristics of those who have a relationship with him. They desire that closeness. They desire to have that presence of God in their life. He says, I will show him my salvation. These are precious promises that come as a result of one thing, drawing close to God and abiding in him and remaining in him, making it a choice of our daily actions to be close to him. Close enough that we're under his shadow, under his protective wing. And apart from that, we can only hope can only wish, can only think. But when we're there, we know that his hand is there. His protection is there. The psalmist testified of these things and reminds us of the blessing that we can receive if we will but draw close to God and abide in him. I don't know about you, but I need these reminders. I need to know that there is safety. There is protection. There is comfort. There is provision when we are drawing close to him and are abiding with Him, and are remaining in Him. A couple of things about that. Number one, you can't do it for someone else. I can't do it for my kids, they can't do it for me. can't do it for my friends, they can't do it for me. I have to make that choice. And if I choose not to do that, I'm missing out on what God's best is for me. When I choose not to draw close, when I choose not to be under the shadow of the Almighty, when I choose not to be under His protective wing, I am choosing, therefore, to forfeit the blessings of the close relationship with Jesus Christ. There's a big difference between knowing it's there and being there. Where are you this morning? Where are you? Are you close or are you distant? Are you under the shadow or you just know where it's at when you want to find it? When you're in a pinch, when you're in a bind, when you're in a place where it's rough. You see, it's a whole lot easier to remain there than to try to get back under it. But God is gracious. God is forgiving. He does forgive. He does cleanse. And we need to get back there if we're not. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Get under the wing of his protection. Get in the shadow of his strength. Know that he's there. He will protect. He will provide. But it's a daily choice that you and I have to make to be in the shadow of the Almighty and to know that when we are there, the one who lives under the protection of the Most High dwells in the shadow of the Almighty. It's a daily choice of where we choose to live. Let's pray.